about how he was an official in the Persian uh, parliament there, in the Persian king's court at Susa. But he left his position and traveled to his hometown of Jerusalem because he knew God had called him to rebuild the wall that was around the city. The temple was rebuilt at that point uh, to a degree, but the walls were in disarray. And Nehemiah stepped down in faith to do what God asked him to do. Uh, he didn't win a battle. If you look at Nehemiah, like you'd, you'd think, wow, you know, who is this great guy, this great man of God? He didn't win a battle. Uh, he wasn't a king or a prophet. He didn't uh, give you prophecies about the end of time and all that sort of stuff. He just built a wall. That's all he did, build a wall. Raymond's built a wall. He built a retaining wall. And I thought that was pretty good, but this was a wall around the city. And you may think, that's not much of an achievement. But I'll tell you why it's an achievement, because he wasn't building a wall. He was building a nation. And it was based around that wall. And people, you know, people say to me, what are you trying to do here? Are you trying to build a mega church? Are you trying to be famous or huge or successful? No, I'm just trying to be faithful, aren't you? I just want to be faithful. If I was trying to build a mega church, this would be black and filled with smoke. But it's not. Because I, I just want to call, the, you know, we're a little bit unique here. We love God and we hate smoke machines. There's not many of us in the ACC, I'll admit it. But, you know, yeah, amen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, but, you know, we, are here. we just want to be faithful, don't we? This is school holidays. I know people are away and everything else, but we want to be faithful no matter what the future holds. Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem ostensibly to build a wall, but he, what he was really building was the nation. And the building was a rallying point for his community. Just as for us, this building in Nambo is going to be a rallying point for our community. It's not just a shop front. It's a place where we can build a community to reach our community. Because I think God's given us a unique thing to do in there. So let me just recap on last week. If you've got your Bible open to Nehemiah chapter 2, uh, verse 17, I want to talk about his vision just briefly. If you've got this memorized, God bless you. You're better than I. Um, and if you have our app, don't forget it's also, also on our app. Nehemiah didn't arrive with a vague idea. He came with a plan. And then he set out to do his due diligence. As I said last week, a Jew doing due diligence, that makes sense, you know. And so he went and his due diligence was going around the wall and he checked it all out and he got the lie of the land and inspected it. Then he got the leaders together and he said this in verse 17 of chapter 2. You see the trouble we're in? How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. Then he writes this, And I told them of the hand of my God and, and that he had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us arise and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. And we've talked about this. You know, we've talked about the incredible miracles that God has been doing around the place. As you all know, been, we've just seen miracle after miracle after miracle. In, in all of my millions of years of being a Christian, well, a long time, it feels like a long time anyway, I've never seen so many miracles happen in, you know, in and around my life. And I know many of you have expressed the same. God's just knocking it out of the park right now. And it's incredible. The wonderful thing is, I'm not doing it. You're not doing it. God's doing it. And that's, a, that's wonderful. And we can trust Him. I believe, I'm going to prophesy this, there's more to come. There are more miracles to come. You watch. Watch this space. No, watch that space down there, preferably. But there's more to come. See, that's what God's saying to us now. Let us arise and build. And He's calling us, I believe, at Ignite to strengthen our hands together for the good work. Now, when our new auditorium opens, you know, 
some weeks down the track now, but when it does, it's not the end, folks. It's the beginning of what God has called us to do. Our end point is not to get into a new building. Our end point is to get on that launch pad because that's the start of the rest of our ministry right there. And God is already rolling ahead of us to, uh, to let us win our people for Christ. But along the way, I've got to tell you, along the way, Nehemiah faced opposition. And any time you do anything special or it's significant for God, there will be opposition. There will. Trust me. Don't be surprised. Don't say, gosh, I didn't expect that opposition. It's coming. Every time you step out in faith for God, there is opposition. How do I know? Because it happens to me all the time. And I believe if you step out for God, if you're not experiencing opposition, maybe you need to step a little more because it's out there, I tell you. And oftentimes it comes from people that you would never have expected it from, people you might have relied on, who suddenly you get opposition. So today, what I want to look at in Nehemiah, we looked last week at his call and all that sort of stuff, but today what I want to look at is the opposition that Nehemiah faced when he was rebuilding the wall, much of which, which we face today. Now, he had a couple of dudes there called Samballat and Tobiah. And they, they really hated him. They were locals. He, he was kind of the new guy on the block. He came in to do new stuff. And they really hated him. And we face our, our own opposition. And interestingly, you will see that anytime you start sig something significant for God, the enemy will attack somewhere. But here's the thing. His tactics don't change very much. They're often the same as what we're about to read here in the book of Nehemiah. So as we prepare to move into this new phase in our life, um, if you prepare to step out and do anything for God, get ready for opposition. And it, let's have a look at some of these attacks so we can understand how they come against us. The first one is motives are misconstrued. The opposition led by Samballad and Tobiah attacked Nehemiah and they started by questioning his motives. Nehemiah 2 verse 19 look at what it says but when Samballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant of Geshem the Arab heard of it they jeered at us and despised us and said what is this thing you're doing are you rebelling against the king so they looked at him and they said right we're going to accuse you of rebelling against the king now he just come from the king with the king's blessing in fact the king funded this the king gave him letters so that he could get timber and stuff to fund the, the repair of the wall but these guys look at it and they question his motives. And we will face the same. My motives will be questioned. Your motives will be questioned going forward if you do anything for God. You're only in it for the glory, that sort of stuff. You know, you just want people to admire you, etc. I've got to tell you, sometimes they hurt. Sometimes they will attack you and say, you're just doing this to big note yourself. They can attack your motives all they like. What you've got to know is that your heart before the Lord is pure. That's what you've got to know. Because if your heart is pure like Nehemiah, you're not going to react to that stuff. Why should you? People love to mock what they perceive as our motives. They conveniently overlook all the commitment, all the faith, all the risk, all the hard work, and they just say, you know, you're in it for yourself. They're extrapolating their motives onto you. Now, our natural response to that is to defend ourselves, isn't it? When someone attacks you, you naturally want to say, Hey, wait a minute. That's not, and you want to defend yourself. So I think it's interesting when you look at Nehemiah. How did Nehemiah respond? Let's have a look at it in verse 20. So he's just been accused of his motives of, being, of, of having selfish motives. Look at what he says, verse 20. Then I replied to them, The God of heaven will make us prosper, 
and we his servants will arise and build but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem so Nehemiah what's he doing here he's turning it back to God God's going to make us prosper it's all about God it's nothing to do with me you have no right in this you have no part of this he's letting God fight his battle for him what he's saying is a very holy and godly butt out in Jesus name that's what he's saying and I love the way he does it because I would tend to react to that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want to defend yourself? He didn't. It's a bit like Moses beside the, the Red Sea with the Egyptian, Egyptian armies bearing in on him. And Exodus 14, 14 says this, The Lord will fight for you. You have to only be silent. Now, I have a bit of an issue with silence. I don't do silence very well, especially if I'm under attack. But that's what you only have to be silent and let the Lord fight for you. Let them question our motives. Because as Paul said in, in Acts 24, I, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. If your conscience is clear before God and man, you don't have to fear if they question your motives. Because you know in your heart your motives are right. The second thing they tried on him was mocking and muckraking. Australians love this. I don't know if you've been overseas with a bunch of Aussies. And I remember being in America. Uh, with some Aussies and we were just mucking around and having a bit of a dig at each other and the Americans got upset you can't say that to each other you're Christians well, what are you talking about because as Australians what do we do we knock one another in love if you love someone you knock them and you have a crack at them and and a lot of the Americans didn't get this at all and I'm like what's their problem because there was nothing in it Australians, if they love you, they mock you. If they hate you, they mock you. How can you tell? But what they do, you know, sometimes it's innocent fun, isn't it? We're Aussies, we get that. But at other times it can be used by the devil to try and deflect our vision. If you look in Nehemiah 4, have a look at what they're going to say about Nehemiah here. So Sam Ballot and Tobiah, listen to what they say. Verse 1. Now, when Sambalat heard that we were building the wall, he was angrily, angry and greatly enraged. Nearly said engaged. He wasn't engaged in that wall at all. He was enraged. And he jeered the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, notice where he's saying it. He doesn't say it to their face. He says it in the presence of his brothers and his little army. He says it to his mates. That's what bullies do. They say it to their mates. What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up a day? Will they revive the stones out of heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? And then Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, Yes, what, look at what they're building. If a fox goes up on it, will he break down their stone wall? Listen to what they're saying. They're poking fun at these guys. They're out there in the hot sun building a wall and these guys are sitting on the sideline like those two little Muppet guys up in the, what were they called? I don't know. But, you know, the two guys at the top always having a, a bit of a knock at you, a bit, of a, a bit of a shot at you, a bit of a jeer. And they say, look at your pathetic efforts. A tiny fox would break it. They're saying, you think you can make a difference? They're saying to us right now, do you think you can reach your community for Jesus? Do you think you can? Mate, your church, church is a joke, mate. Like, you're not going to reach this community for Jesus. That reminded me of a story. Guys, walking down the beach, there's a little boy. There'd been a storm. There were starfish all up and down the beach. There's a little boy picking them up and throwing them back into the ocean. And this man came up to the boy. He said, have a look at this beach, young man. Look at this. 
There's millions of these guys. Do you think you can make a difference? And he picked up a starfish. The little boy thought for a minute. He said, well, it makes a difference to this one. And it makes a difference to this one. And it makes a difference to this one. Because the little bit of difference you can make makes a difference to the people that you've made a difference with. Overall, does it affect things overall? Let's let God sort that out. Let's work with what we've got to make a difference where we can. So what did Nehemiah do? Did he react to the mockers? Did he, did he say, you know, that's a terrible thing to say. I'm going to cry and go home now. No, he didn't say that. What did he say? In Nehemiah 4 verse 4, he says this. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their heads and give them up to be plundered in a land with our captives. He turned to God and he said, God, I can't take, can you deal with this? And he handed it on to God. Hezekiah faced the same situation. He had a letter, a mocking letter from an attacking king. They were perched right outside the gates. And he sent a letter through saying, you are just, you are just useless. Do you think your God's going to save you? Not a chance. Hezekiah took that letter and he laid it out on the altar and he prayed through it. And I've done that. I don't know if you've done that. But I've received letters from people that have really hurt. And instead of reacting to them or attacking them back, I've taken them and I've laid them out in my quiet time and I've prayed through them. 2 Kings 19, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Take your issue. When they mock you, when they attack you for your faith, take it to the Lord. Don't try and deal with it yourself. When the enemy attacks Sometimes he even uses people who are close to you. Take it to God. They will call you weak for being a Christian. They'll say, you need a crutch. They'll say that Christians are all hypocrites. Have they said that to you? It's what they say. Christians are all hypocrites. I say, well, come on in. There's room for one more. In this current climate, they are saying all sorts of things about Christians. But I find myself turning back to Scripture and refusing to bow to the mockery and things that they are attacking us with. And I want to stand against things that are not of God. Okay, you can float along with the stream. Any dead fish can do that, but it takes a live fish to swim against it. And I want to be alive for him. And there are so many issues around that we as Christians can stand, not for what we believe, but for what the Word of God says about it. (coughs) What I believe is irrelevant. You know, God's not going to come to judgment and say, well, hang on a minute, let me just consult with Pastor Darren and make sure that I've got this right. He's not doing that. What I believe is irrelevant. What is important is what does the Word of God say? So I've stood in the past, as you know, against gay marriage, because I believe it's unscriptural. I stand against gender fluidity for the same reason, against abortion because it is murder, and against the evil bill that has just passed in our state under the cover of COVID to allow assisted suicide and euthanasia i will stand against those things not because i i I think i'm greater i stand against them because the word of god stands against them it's that simple and i think we need to make a stand and listen to this they are trying to make a law down south so that only double vaccinated people can go to church you've probably seen that so you probably say well where do we stand on this i'll tell you where i stand I stand defying it because I will. Jesus laid hands on lepers. I don't care if you're black or white or gay or straight or 
or you know male or female or anything else you will always my hand will always be outstretched to you because that's what Jesus did and if you are vaccinated or unvaccinated I hope you have a home here there are some things we need to stand against some things we can obey the law in but when the law of the land contradicts the law of God I choose God I choose God. Peter Marshall said, we are better to stand for something lest we fall for anything. And I tell you, out there, there are people falling for anything because they have no standard in their life. I believe that we, that's how they attack Nehemiah. They'll attack us too. Get ready. The third way they attacked him was through meetings and disputes. We live in a world where everyone wants to debate everything. I mean everything. You can put a cute video up on youtube and someone wants to tell you it's not cute and have an argument about it i mean that you know people debate have you noticed that in the streets in you know in restaurants on facebook on youtube everybody's debating everything if you don't believe me get on facebook and say you're pro or anti-vax you will spend the rest of your day trying to answer all the objections whatever you say Right? We, we are a nation, we are a whole world that loves to dispute over nothing. Nehemiah 6, verses, verse 2 to 3, listen to this. Samballad and Geshem sent to me saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakafurim in the plain of Ono. Oh no, says Nehemiah. Oh no. But they intended to do me harm and I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should I stop while I, and leave it and come down to you? He said, excuse me, guys, I'm busy. I'm not going to waste my time having a meeting that will result in no resolution. It's pointless. If it lines up with Scripture, this is my view. If it lines up with Scripture, it's in. If it doesn't, I'm against it. Now, some things aren't in the Bible. So then you have to use your judgment. But I believe that we, God is calling us as a people to stand for what is right and true and holy in this nation. Not just float along. I tell you, in years to come, we will be able to look back and say we were part of a generation that stood for what was right and holy and true. Or not. And I want to be one of the guys who stand for that. What I refuse to do, though, is to become embroiled in endless, fruitless debates that go nowhere. Titus 3, verse 9, Paul's speaking to a pastor, and he says, Titus, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. When God's called you to do a great work, such as he's doing right now to us here in this church, we don't want to stop what he's doing stop serving him the way we are we don't want to stop that and get involved in controversy and argument that are pointless in the end you know don't get involved in unprofitable and worthless discussions don't cater to the dissenters keep your eyes fixed on jesus and go hard for your destiny don't get entangled in all that junk and we live in a world that wants to tangle you up they want to just just mess with your head to try and stop what god is doing so the fourth uh, attack that he had was misinformation and slander. Nehemiah faced misinformation and slander. Lies, rumors, allegations spread about him that were untrue and potentially destructive. Have you ever had someone accuse you of something you didn't do? Anybody? How's it feel? 
terrible? It does. So many times we are attacked and we haven't done anything. I face a similar barrage pretty regularly and so will you at some time. And trust me, even in Christian circles, dissension, disunity and criticism are alive and well. When Nehemiah refused to meet with these guys, they sent a letter. Now listen to the letter in Nehemiah 6. This is really interesting. Listen to this. They wrote this. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. Now he's already denied that, and he's already refused to dialogue on it, but there they are. You're, you're about to rebel, and that is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you also have set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah. Now the king will hear of these reports, so come now, let us take counsel together. What are they saying? Here's, we, we hear. We hear. And I tell you, uh, many of the rumors spread about me and probably you at some point has come from somebody saying, I hear this. And it's not true. And there's no substance to it. There's no reason for it. But they just say, I've heard this. In Christian circles, we have a unique way of putting this. We say, let me share a prayer point with you. I've heard that so-and-so is doing such and such. Just heard it, but brother, we should pray about this. Don't be fooled. Nehemiah could have taken time out to sort it out, but he knew their hearts. He knew his own heart too. He knew that these were false allegations and that he was blameless. So he says in verses 8 to 9 of Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah, there we go again, Nehemiah 6, Then I said to them, No such thing as you say has been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. Oh, I like that. He's very forceful. I like that very much. For they wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work, and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. And that should be our prayer right now, whatever we face. O God, strengthen our hands to do what is right. He didn't argue with them. He didn't try and prove his position. He just, in one phrase, denied the lot, then he handed it over to God. And this is a great example for us to follow. When you are attacked, and I know many of you have been attacked, not just in church, through your, your personal life and stuff. When you're attacked, when they, they defame you, slander you, criticize you, stop arguing, stop justifying, just tell them it's not true and hand it off to God, because that's what Nehemiah did, and that worked pretty well. Believe it or not, over the last several months, I've been accused of all sorts of things. In fact, some of the things I've been accused of, I'm shocked by. I'm shocked by it. Wow. I was accused, as you may have heard, of ripping off Lily House to the tune of $700,000. Because an anonymous donor gave Lily House $700,000 to buy this place, which enabled us to buy the place in at Nambour. So the rumor that came to my ears was someone saying, Pastor Darren has ripped Lily House off for $700,000. And I said, well, that's ridiculous because if I was going to rip Lily House off for $700,000, I wouldn't give it to the church. I'd spend it myself. It's not true. It's way not true. Lily House is part of our ministry anyway. What a load of rubbish. But I've been accused of lying, pride of impatience. Yeah, all right. Impatience, I admit that one. Just to name a few. Listen, if you are a committed Christian, unbelievers will often actively try and seek you out and try and make you fall, won't they? Have you noticed that? They love it when they bait you. They try and get you to fall and then they sit there watching, ready to pounce if you don't do everything to their satisfaction. Listen, don't fall for it. Don't discuss it. Don't argue. 
Don't answer. Don't justify. Just take it to God and let him fight for you. Amen? The fifth way he was attacked was mortal threats. Nehemiah 4 verse 8 says this, They all plotted to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah it was said, The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves we will not be able to rebuild the wall. So his next tactic that he attacked Nehemiah with was the threat of death. That's fairly effective. Because, you know, most of us don't set out wanting to die. And so when it comes to using fear and intimidation, and, you know, I, I look at around at our world today, what do you think the devil is using to manipulate people's minds today? It's fear. It's fear. I talked to a very lovely elderly lady who said she wakes up in the middle of the night in panic attacks worrying about COVID. You know, the, the enemy's using this. They've whipped it up in the media. They've whipped it up all around. You'd think this was the plague. But it's not. Now, I'm not saying don't be careful, and I'm not saying, you know, don't be smart about this. But what I am saying is we do not need to live in fear over this stuff. And we do not need to live in fear as we move into our future. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, a man, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So... Who do they attack? Who does the enemy attack? Well, they start with Nehemiah and they work their way down the tree till they're attacking everybody. Everybody has the threat of death over them that's on the wall. And the enemy conspires against us right now to stop us moving because he realizes that our destiny is in there. And people will say to you, people will come to you if you're part of this church and say, gosh, what do you want to go to Nambour for? It's full of weirdos. Has anyone said that to you? People have said it to me. And last, I said, yeah, but last I saw Jesus died for all those weirdos. Besides, when I look at ourselves, we're a church full of weirdos. And I'm the, the grandest of them all. You know, I mean, how do you define weird? People are just different. And we will have different people coming into our church. But we need to be ready because we need to love them all the same. No matter their hang-ups, let's not have hang-ups. Let's just love them all the same. This world is full of all kinds of weird, but don't let fear, fear of moving into the town, steal your faith and your joy. Is it dangerous in the middle of Nambour at night? Yes, it is. Is it going to stop me? Not a chance. I'm trusting God. I'm going to serve him come what may, and I will not let the spirit of fear control our destiny because God has given us not a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind, hasn't he? We need to take our eyes off our surrounds and off the circumstances and off COVID and all that junk and put them back on Jesus. Remember that beautiful song? I think we sang it last week. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And what happens? The things of earth grow strangely dim. Does that mean they're not there? No, it just means we can't see them because we're filling our eyes with Jesus. The sixth attack he has now, I want to highlight this is that he had a moralistic or a legalistic attack. And I want to highlight this because this is what we often see within the church. We often see people who attack and they dress it up in Christian language. They have a holier-than-thou holier people who look spiritual and they think they know some theology or they think they know all theology and they criticize in a legalistic way. And they will even use scripture 
and prophecy and all sorts of things to attack where God is leading us. Nehemiah faced personal, moralistic, legalistic attacks from so-called prophets. And they tried to cause him to sin. They said, Nehemiah, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you by night. What they're saying is, you shouldn't be in the temple, but you need to go there to protect yourself. So they use fear to try and make you fall morally. Hello, how are you? Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Thank you. Always wanted one of those. Isn't that beautiful? There's a servant heart there. Nehemiah replied this, Should such a man as I run away, and what man such as I could go into the temple and live, I will not go in. Now trust me, folks, legalism is alive and well in the church of God. We don't have much of it here, praise the Lord. I'm very thankful for that. But it is right across the kingdom of God. And you will often hear people claiming to be speaking for God, quoting scripture and creating factions within the church. But in reality, what they're trying to do is to deflect you from where you need to go. That happens right across the church. I was talking to uh, one of our local pastors the other day. And he got embroiled in a controversy. He's a great guy. And he has a great heart for our people. And he wants, to, he wants his church, more traditional church, he wants his church to prosper. And I do too. And he's a great guy. But you know what he said? He said, I have to go out to such and such a place because someone cut the hedge too short and there's a huge controversy. I went, what, what are you doing that for? He said, well, I'm the, I'm the, you know, the pastor. I have to, the hedge was cut too short and that's a big deal. I said, I don't think so. You know, like we, we, the devil will throw anything he can at us. Dress it up in Christianese to try and make us lose our focus on Jesus. But be wary. So the Bible says, test the spirits. 1 John 4 verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Nehemiah faced exactly this. Look at Nehemiah 6 verse 12 says this. Listen to this. This is incredible. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him. But he had pronounced the prophecy against me, the prophecy against me. They're prophesying against him. They're using prophets. He pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sembalat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way in sin so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. The devil doesn't even change his tactics a lot of times. He uses legalism to hold down the move of God. So let me finish up by going through three godly ways that you can respond to opposition because we've looked at the opposition and a lot of there's always opposition around. But let me give you three ways that I've learned from Nehemiah how to respond when people criticize you. Does anyone like being criticized? Me neither. I don't like being criticized. All of these attacks came against Nehemiah and the people who were with him. They were designed to cause division and disunity, fear, mocking, discouragement, and to stop them reaching their destiny. Satan is up to the same tricks today. So when he attacks your faith, when others mock you or discourage you, when others tell you your dreams don't matter, you'll never make it, you're not good enough, you're deluded, you're wasting your life, how do you respond? Well, if we flip back a few years from Nehemiah, to the book of Zechariah, Zerubbabel was the name of the governor there and he was rebuilding the wall and this is what was said to him. The word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel and said this, listen to this, not by might, 
nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Say it with me. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. See, Zerubbabel was charged with rebuilding the temple sometime before Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of the city. And God says, as he does today, the same words. Thank you, sweetie. God said the same things. Not by might, say it with me. Nor by power, but by my, by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, interestingly, when I looked at that passage in Zechariah, I was really encouraged about this. And let me encourage you with this today. Verse 10 of Zechariah 4 says this, For whoever has despised the day of small beginnings shall rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. The same one God said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. He also says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. I look around, we're jammed in here. Socially distanced, of course. We, you know, we've got a lot of people away today and we are jammed in here. But I'm telling you, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Because there is big coming. There is lots of cool stuff coming that the Lord is going to do. So don't despise this. Because I believe that God is going to let us explode into our destiny coming right up. But it's not going to be by me. It's not going to be by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So how should we respond to opposition? When people attack you, when you face opposition, how do you respond? Number one, respond, don't react. That's weird to say in the 21st century, because what do people do all the time these days? They react. Right? I don't don't know, have you ever been to the doctor and he's uh, checked your reflexes and he hits on your knee and it goes like that? Have you ever done that? You doctors around, you've probably done that to people. Look at the reaction, right? That that doesn't travel via your brain. You don't think about that. It just happens automatically. It's a reflex. It's a reaction. And that's what happens when people attack us a lot of times. We just react. Don't believe me? Get on Facebook and say you're, you're pro this or anti that. And before you know it, people will be having arguments and attacking you left, right, and right. Because no one, no one thinks about it. They just put junk up on there with the anonymity of Facebook. And they tear each other apart. These days over vaccines, masks, lockdowns, previously over all sorts of issues. You'll notice the issue changes. But people are still highly reactive all the time. Whatever happened to global warming? Is it still a thing? It cooled off. (laughs) Thank you, it cooled off. Because it got replaced with COVID. We've now got COVID to argue about. But when COVID goes, I'm predicting there'll be a resurgence in global warming. Just saying. Because they want people arguing. They want people reacting all the time. Sometimes I feel like we are in a we are in a world that is just the Jerry Springer show. You know, and people are just reacting and, and flying out. And I believe that we we need to be better than that. Psalm 37 verse 8 says, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. If you are a reactive person, I guarantee you there's going to be evil at the end of that. It's not going to work. You are going to feel pain at the end of that. So what do we do if someone attacks us? You don't react in a knee-jerk way. Step back, excuse yourself, take time to pause, pray, and ask God how to respond. A response is different to a reaction. It takes a lot longer. It gives you time to cool down. It gives you time to think through how you want to respond. It gives you time to respond in love and humility, but also strength. 
Humility and meekness is not weakness. It's strength under control. Look at Nehemiah verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 8. Then I said to him, No such things as you say have been done, for you have invented them out of your own mind. He didn't back back. I love that about Nehemiah. He's straight. He's honest. Because he knew in his heart that his heart was righteous before the Lord. And if you know in your heart that God, God has called you, forget what others say. Don't react to all that stuff. Number two, take it to God. See, he never sat around and argued with it. He didn't have that meeting they wanted. He took it to God. So you need to recognize, as Nehemiah did, that they're, they're actually attacking God, not you. These people who are attacking us all around, Christians, attacking Christianity, they think they're attacking the church, but you're not. You're attacking God. Not us personally, God. They're just using you as a conduit. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against what? Spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm, right? It's not against us. Nehemiah said so many times, if you read through Nehemiah, this is what he said again and again and again. Chapter 6, verse 14. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess uh, Noadia and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. He took it to God and said, God, sort it out for me. He didn't react to it. He took it to God. So Nehemiah always seemed to pray before he responded. Do you do that? Do I do that? I know this is none of you, but some of you may have experienced marital conflict. And do you notice that it's like a pressure cooker? Like one says one thing, and then the other one says something strong, and then the other one says something strong, and then stronger, 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 stronger. And it, and it just builds. Have you noticed that? One of the things that we teach when we're doing premarital counseling is to say, either side has the right to go time out, and you walk away, and you don't say anything for half an hour. And in that half an hour, most people cool down. And if they haven't, you're in real trouble. But most people cool down because that's a response not a reaction. See, ultimately, they are attacking God. Ultimately, your enemy, your enemy, my enemy is not man. It's not the government. It is Satan behind all of this, pulling the strings. The third thing Nehemiah did is he stayed the course. Under incredible attack, Nehemiah stood his ground and stayed the course. Listen, if Satan can't make you sin and fall, he will try and discourage you. And if he can't do that, he will try and deflect you off course to slow you or stop you, under threat of attack from the enemies. This is what Nehemiah said. Listen to this. Chapter 4, verse 19. And I said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall, far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work. Half of them held spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. Did he stop the work? No. What he did was half of them worked and the other half manned spears and swords. And then, you know, ding, swap over. <laughs> but he had half the people not building. They were there with spears and swords because that's, he did not let anything deflect him from what God had called him to do. And I want to encourage you now. In the end, this guy Nehemiah built a wall. You might say it's just a wall. But for 90 years, they've been waiting for that wall to be built. The first Jews went back to, to Jerusalem 90 years before Nehemiah. So after 90 years of neglect, with stones and rubble laying everywhere, he rebuilt the wall in 52 days. 
52 days. Man, well, I thought we'd been delayed in our building, but we're going to be in within 52 days, God willing. But that's like he built an entire wall around the city in 52 days. And when it was built, the people celebrated and they gathered and they read the law. And then, you know what they did? They celebrated because they, they, they read this law and the people read the law and they began to cry because they realized they'd let God down. And so he called a feast and the name of the feast was called Succot and you would know it perhaps as the Feast of Tabernacles. I'll run this by Peter afterwards to make sure I got it right. The Feast of Tabernacles where people dwell in temporary structures to remind them of how God had led them in the desert. And it was a time of reflection and it was a time of celebration. In fact, Nehemiah said to him, Nehemiah 8 verse 10, he said this, go on your way, eat and drink, you know, don't be sad. Drink sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to the Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you know, we have so much joy in this place because we know that God is doing an incredible miracle, miracle after miracle, and it brings us much joy, but that's our strength. If we get down, if we get critical, if we get sad, we lose our strength. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Feast of Tabernacles, interestingly, is happening right now. Did you know that? In Jerusalem at the moment, the Feast of Tabernacles is this very week in the Jewish calendar. And it was at this festival, many years later, that Jesus made an appearance. You know, as part of the festival uh, of of booths or the Feast of Tabernacles, there was a particular ritual. The, The high priest would go down into the pool of Siloam with a, a golden pitcher and he would take some water and he would bring it up and he would pour the water, water as an offering over the altar while the choir sang from the book of Isaiah, with joy we shall draw, draw water from the wells of salvation. It was a beautiful, it was incredible pomp and ceremony, amazing stuff. And Jesus watched this ritual all those years later in the shadows. And by then he realized with all the pomp and the ceremony, it was just a lifeless ritual. It was a religious observance. Then when he could stand it no longer, in John 7, verse 37, Jesus stepped out of the crowd and began to speak. Stepped out from the shadows and began to speak. And he said this, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Thus spake he of the Spirit. Our building is nearing completion in the next little while. And we are soon to celebrate just as Nehemiah did and the people did. But if all we have is a religious ceremony and a celebration, we have missed the plot. Because our purpose in life is not to get in that building. Our purpose in life is to reach our community. And that's just a stepping stone. That's just a launch pad for a whole bunch of stuff. But we are here, ladies and gentlemen, to reach our people for Jesus. And what a brilliant time to do it. So much fear around. I believe that the nation of Australia is ripe for a move of the Holy Spirit right now. I believe that. I've never seen so much fear in people's eyes. I've never seen so much fear in, in, in you know all through the media and everything else. But right now... I believe our nation is ripe and we get the chance to share in it. But we cannot do it by ourselves. We cannot do it by might or by power. But by what? The Spirit of God. That's what we need.
We need rivers of living water to flow through each of us into our, our town and all the surrounds and into the hinterland because we can't reach our people for Christ. God can reach them through us. But it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. If we move to Nambour without the spirit, we've lost the plot. So this morning, as I wrap this up, I want you to spend some time with the Lord because it's not by might nor by power, but by the Holy Spirit of God that we can win this nation, that we can make a difference. It's not stuff we do. This is about the Spirit of God living within us. If you don't have the Spirit of God welling up inside you, how are you supposed to live a victorious life? You can't. You can only live a victorious life by giving it to Him and saying, not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. By your Spirit, Lord God. And so I want us, as we wrap things up here, we'll do things a little differently today. I want you to spend some time with the Lord one-on-one. Where, where you sit. I'm not calling you forward. We can't fit. COVID regulations. Let's do this in our seats. But I want you to take some time and spend it with the Lord right now. Just close your eyes where you are. This is not trying to be weird or crazy or strange. I just want you to get filled with the Spirit. So I'm going to ask you, just close your eyes and pray right now. There's not a single person in this room that doesn't need to be filled with the Spirit of God to live the life that God has for us. Not a single person. I cannot face tomorrow without the Spirit of God. I cannot live a victorious life for Him without His Spirit within me. So just take a few moments, just take a few moments of silence. I want you to cry out to Him and say, Come, Holy Spirit, fill my life. We're not trying to be weird. We're not trying to be different. We're just trying to be real because His Spirit is real and He loves you. Take a few moments. Seek Him now. Just you and Him.